and welcome back to Now I'm Just a Worm with your host, Anjanette. And Jess. And this week we're discussing, uh, it's going to be like a series of episodes eventually at some point, but this is our first episode that we're going to be discussing mental health. And for this one personally, it's just going to be our personal experiences and how we've dealt with our own issues of depression and stuff like that and uh so we're not just a a forewarning we're not medical professionals we're not giving out medical advice or anything like that so you shouldn't uh, take everything that we say with like a grain of salt it's just how we've dealt with our stuff it might not work for you but um it could and that's kind of why we're doing it yeah i I mean i think we wanted to open up a discussion to people are a little bit more comfortable to start talking about it um, whether that be opening up about your own experiences or, you know, maybe making you comfortable enough to seek help for the first time, perhaps. Um, this is more, I think, addressing the stigma of it and that, you know, we have been through it. It's It should be a normal discussion in our society. And I think we're getting there. Yeah. But I still think there's a lot of work to be done. But you know, I see a lot of memes and stuff on Facebook that, you know, imagine if we treated mental health the same way that we treated a broken bone like it should just be that standard that if you are not feeling quite right or you know you're struggling with anxiety passing of a loved one whatever it you shouldn't have to second guess you know should I talk about this should I bring this up should I go get help like it shouldn't be a thought in your mind like you should just go do it and be comfortable with that yeah It, it shouldn't be like well how it was for me like I was like I can't I can't go to therapy. That's just, that's, that's ridiculous. That's, that's for crazy people. (laughs) And that's not really the case. Like I think our, our definition of the word crazy and how we define quote crazy people, I think is a huge umbrella. I think it's an umbrella, but I I think also using that kind of terminology and where people go with it when you, when you use that states that there's something seriously wrong with you to the point where like people shouldn't be around you and you can't function and you know like you need to be locked locked up which is which is crazy (laughs) (laughs) that's fucking crazy (laughs) but yeah i think that the uh kind of bouncing off of that the the idea that you get when you hear like oh that's a crazy person you think that they're a danger to themselves and others and that's not that that doesn't have to be the prerequisite for you to go and get therapy or you know see professional help or even just talk to your friends because i'm like really just discussing things helps a lot just it helps take some of the burden off of you and i know a lot of people myself included i wouldn't necessarily i find it hard to reach out to my friends and family because i felt like i was a burden mm-hmm. yep. you know and i didn't want to make them feel any worse or try to make uh, make everything about me or all that kind of stuff like I just felt like I didn't want my problems under a microscope and th- it was just it, it I could not fathom doing that right it's actually um actually thanks to Jess that I actually did go to therapy eventually <laughs> she, she bullied me into it I did I peer pressured her in yeah like but pretty was, hard <laughs> it was desperately needed like I didn't know how much I needed therapy until I was getting help yeah you know and going going to a therapist does not necessarily mean that you have to get medicated either because when you go to a therapist they're it's not like you're going to a psychiatrist psychiatrist is the one that can actually prescribe medication um so you can just go to a licensed therapist 
um, or a psychologist who does not prescribe medication and they can give you the help that you need. And then if you do end up needing medication, they can, um, they can, uh, send you to a, th- or pre- recommend. Reco- yeah. So you can get yeah. a referral. That's, um, that's what I meant. Yeah. That's the word. So I think a lot of people just automatically assume, well, I don't want to be on medication. I don't want to be, you know, dealing with the side effects. I don't think I need it. I feel like a lot of people, it's like their, their immediate first thought mm-hmm. and, and then vice versa, like in the field that I work in, um, you know, helping people get connected to mental health services don't understand that a psychiatrist isn't a therapist. So, like, I see the, the, the both ends of both coins, and I'm like, yeah, no, no. I said, if you leave the office with medication, <laughs> you're seeing a psychiatrist. If you're seeing a therapist, like, you should be in there for a good hour, mm-hmm. and it's just an open discussion. You know, and I tell everyone, too, like, sometimes it takes a couple different therapists before you connect with somebody, I think that's like, you know, you're you're going in there to talk about stuff that's bot- – you're in the most vulnerable state that you can be in. Yeah. And, and that can be hard. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's th- – this process is very much a human connection. So if you're not jiving after a couple sessions, like with your therapist, and you're not comfortable, then it's okay to ask for somebody else or look for somebody else. Yeah. Like, they, they're fine with you saying, like, I think I need a different therapist because that's – that they're in that field they're used to it like they should respect your decision yeah, absolutely yeah. if they don't then obviously you need a new one anyway yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know but i don't know i mean i think for me though like i've been in some form of <clears throat> therapy or, or help since i was 12 um so like i like when i actually started to appropriately open up to my therapist and you have to remember, it's like it's a two-way street. Mm-hmm. So if you're not going to get to that point where you're going to be 100% honest or maybe open up a little bit when they kind of push the boundary, you're not going to get all the help that you need. So, and that took me decades to accept the fact that I had experienced trauma and accept the fact that, like, my addiction may have altered me in some way that I'm not going to bounce back from, mm-hmm. I, you know, it took me a while to accept that and to actually hear that and and work through it. But, I mean, ever since I can remember, even as a young child, I was always anxious. And I was always the kid that cried over everything and didn't want to be alone. And so, but I think my early teens is when I started to, I started to cut. So, my mom found out about that. It was, you don't know what to do. Yeah. And I think that's the issue, too, with being a little bit more open and aware about mental health services so if god forbid if something like that does happen to your loved one or you like you know where to go yeah you know so initially which i think a lot of people will do is you go to your family doctor yeah yeah you know so i she took me to the pediatrician at the time and they gave me a little seven questionnaire oh my god and looked over the wounds and was like here's some prozac and sent me on my way like it's it's so funny that like you're because i this i think was before yeah before i went to therapy i believe um i had you know just dealt with anxiety and everything like but i had a similar situation well not really as similar because it wasn't like i discussed it with my parents or anything i would just i went to my own family doctor and was like hey i get anxious and he's like okay zannies (laughs) (laughs) and it was 
it was kind of scary where like you could almost if i wanted to i could abuse the system yeah and get whatever the fuck i want but i'm not i'm not that kind of person and that was kind of scary for me to think about but like i want it i did want xanax and i got it right so easily and that's like a, a one weird form of privilege i think for us yeah um because yeah. it's you know i don't know if literally anyone could go to their own family doctor and be like hey i have x problem can you prescribe me y xyz yeah yeah i mean nowadays no that that's definitely getting a lot harder i think with mm-hmm. the education and the awareness of being able to abuse the system yeah like i know once i was in the height of my addiction i tried that but i'm more than sure i had addict written all over my face <laughs> so the doctor was like no you don't get that <laughs> You know, I think I just looked like white privilege in there. And he was like, all right, Xanax. Yeah. Cool. That's the thing. And, you know, there's definitely individuals out there who do have the constant and and severe anxiety where that is warranted. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of people aren't even educated. And I don't even think most doctors are educated, depending on, like, which type of doctor you're going to. But, like, benzodiazepines, how dangerous they are, um, not just, like, addiction-wise, but they were only designed for traumatic events. So they were only meant to be given to you for a couple of days to be able to get you the help that you needed moving forward. Not, like, an ongoing treatment. Right. And, unfortunately, these doctors, and I see it all the fucking time, are giving individuals, like, high doses of Klonopin or Xanax and, like... It says on there, like, you know, instead of saying as needed or for severe anxiety, whatever, it's like take two to three a day, Jesus. which is an incredibly high dose. And it's one of those things, too, like after a long period of time, it is one of the most dangerous substances to abruptly stop. Mm-hmm. Like you will have a seizure. And I and I see so many people who come in who don't know that. Like they're not like some do. Most don't. Yeah. I and mean, to be fair, like how would you know unless you either went through it or you knew someone personally that went through it and it's kind of like not that many people that I knew personally were that heavily medicated and like you you shouldn't be heavily medicated like I said I mean I've seen and it's the exception it's definitely the exception to the rule but I've, I've absolutely you know worked with individuals who barely still barely functioned when the benzodiazepine that they were on like their trauma and their anxiety is just that bad where they do need it yeah um but like i said that's definitely the exception mm-hmm. like not the norm so and i think i think in my end like i see the worst of the worst yeah but you know just remembering though too that it's it's not it's the exception not the rule yeah and you get like because at least when i are what from what i remember trying like taking the Xanax the few times that I did because I actually ended up not liking it. Right. Um, one, it tastes absolutely awful. Like it is the garbage trash that <laughs> you could lick off the sidewalk. It's awful, awful, awful to taste. So don't, just don't. I wouldn't try to taste that at all. But when you, when I did take it, it was, I felt like so out of it. Right. Like, to the point where I didn't feel like it was helpful. Like, no, I'm, maybe I wasn't anxious. But I think in a way I also kind of was very aware of how my body felt. Right. 
because you are so like a lot of things are kind of muted and it kind of like brought my attention to all these things more so than I was before and I didn't interesting I didn't like that feeling so I I it did not help with my anxiety I ended up coping in different ways which we can discuss them a little bit but like I I tried the the drug route and it was it was a very low dosage I think it was like 0.25 yeah I think it's like the lowest dosage it can go but Again, they're like the benzodiazepines are one of those medications where you can't really look at the milligram. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because I have some people like, I only took two milligrams of clonopin earlier. And I'm like, holy fuck, how are you still standing? Yeah. Like, that's really, really strong. But I think, you know, when it comes to benzodiazepines, it's like the same thing with pain medication. Like, if you're mm-hmm. in a lot of pain and it's warranted, you're going to feel normal. Yeah. It's not going to mess you up. Where if you take it just to take it, you're, you're going to not feel right. It's the same thing. Like, you have to have that severity of anxiety yeah. for you to not feel, like, that kind of fuzzy, mm-hmm. provided that you're taking the appropriate amount. <laughs> yeah. So, I think, like you said, in, in my case, like, I essentially was taking it just to take it. So, that kind of made me very aware of This is not that... the route that you need. Yeah. yeah. And, which I guess was, in the end, a good thing, because then I realized how... Like, okay, seek out other avenues on how to deal with your anxiety and your stress and all that kind of shit. Right. But, um, yeah, that's, that's, medicine is crazy, man. Like, all it's just all chemicals. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, like I said, I think, I just think you have to be very careful with it. It absolutely plays a pivotal role for a lot of people. Um, but I think, again, it's just asking the right questions and depending on your situation, you know, maybe seeking talk like therapy, therapy first, learning coping skills, trying to get to the root of the problem before you entertain medication wise. Um, but like I said, it's different for everybody. I mean, there are certain people who, you know, unfortunately, maybe they weren't addressing their depression and they've gotten to that point where maybe they're severely suicidal, you know, and, and that, in those situations, like you might need a medication before anything else so you don't hurt yourself. Yeah. So, you know, I think it definitely all depends on case by case. But I think for those who are, you know, starting to feel down or maybe I experienced some things I never addressed before, things of that nature, you know, maybe start out with just talk therapy first. I mean, I like I wish I would have done that um, prior to, like I said, I mean, I started start on the Prozac and then kind of nothing else. Yeah. And then I think I did like the like the school counselor. I was brought into the school counselor a lot. <laughs> for a lot of different reasons (laughs) just the problem child yeah well you know i went from living in like a suburb slash city to moving into bumfuck nowhere so i looked very different was that bumfuck nowhere pennsylvania it was yeah so we we um originally We originally moved from Baltimore up to Felton, Pennsylvania, which is just over the Maryland line because uh, my parents kept their job in Maryland. Yeah. But I went from being able to walk everywhere and have access to everything to taking 15 to 20 minutes to get to the nearest fucking gas station. <laughs> it was a little bit of a culture shock. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that did not help my mental health either. Yeah. I think just drastic changes like that, at least for me, it would not have... I wouldn't have done. I wouldn't have adjusted well either. No. And I, I, that's too, like, I think transitional periods um, for kids and, you know, for anyone who might be struggling, like, it's, you need to prep for that, you know, the best that you can. But 
Yeah, so that didn't go over very well for I think my sister and or myself. Um, but yes, I did like the school counselor thing, I think, for a little bit. And I want to say like high school wise, I actually went to someone like outside of the school system and started talking to somebody in addition to the 500 different medications they tried me on. Um, but I, you know, to be fair though, like as an adolescent, I wasn't like fully honest with my therapist. I don't think I actually understood like the process and what I should have been getting out of and, and doing my part as well. Yeah. And like I said, it's a two way street. I think a lot of people go into therapy expecting them to tell them what to do or give them like this crazy amount of advice and you know, it's going to be okay. And I'm like, this is very much a working relationship. Yes. Yes. Very, you know, very so, much so there are things that you need to actively be doing outside of, <laughs> of the therapist's office to make an impact. And to be fair, I did not do any of those things. Yeah. I think it's kind of hard at that age though, too. If you said this all happened like high school age, right? Yeah. It's kind of you, in a way it's, you don't really gain that kind of clarity until you're older. You know, yeah. well, at least, you know, um, barring certain circumstances and whatnot, but like you don't, a lot of high school kids may not, might not realize the, the working relationship that you would need to have with right. a therapist in order to realize the benefits of being honest with a therapist or whatever, or like knowing how to, like having the maturity to realize that you need to change this behavior or that behavior or whatever you know what I mean yeah yeah like I, I feel like in a way at least well maybe I'll get into that later but so continue your story and then I'll go oh mine. Christ do you want me to keep going okay <laughs> well I was gonna go <laughs> off on a tangent. for a while <laughs> I was gonna go off on a tangent about therapy and like for me at my the age that I had it at but which is very different from when you initially started therapy yeah that's true I mean I just, I think with this kind of discussion, it, it's just so different for everybody. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, honestly, I would say I don't think I really started to, like, work on myself and stick with it up until I moved up here. Okay. You what know. age was that? Oh, Christ. 22? Okay. About 22, 20, 20 around 23. And then I didn't start going to therapy until I was probably closer to 25. Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of had that realization, you know, I moved up here, um, didn't freaking know anybody up here, got out of a horribly abusive relationship, was coming out of addiction, graduated college and was like, hey, like I see a glimpse of what a healthy relationship is like and like how normal healthy people communicate and how healthy friendships are and like maybe I should probably try this out but again like not actually sitting down and going okay you're moving three hours away you don't know anybody else you don't even know where to look for work yeah and I thought that was a brilliant idea <laughs> I mean spoilers it worked out but yeah I was gonna say like it ended up working out but like I think at that time though when you're going through it probably so fucking terrifying it was. It was. Um, you know, because really, like, I moved in with Will, and that was really the only person I knew. Yeah. Like, I started to, you know, meet some of his bandmates and, and stuff like that. But, I mean, I didn't really have, like, any close connections. Yeah. You know, and I think um, I, I did think about 
moving back home when he went on tour. Yeah. Because, like, that's such a lonely time, though, too. Like, when you're moving to a new area and the only person you know is your significant other and when they're not there. For three months. (laughs) Yeah. I would have thrown in the towel, too. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go back to what's familiar. Right. But you know what, though? I'm glad glad I didn't because God only knows what bullshit I would have thrown myself into had I left. You know, I mean, I think that was... Probably back into addiction. Probably. Probably right back into it. Um, So, I mean, I think what I threw myself into, albeit could have went a little bit smoother and there could have been a little bit more thought behind it, I think is what needed to happen um, for me to, to be where I'm at today. But, you know, out of college, I had an okay job, but we were still like... Christ, we were lucky if we were making it paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're stressed about money. Um, the job that I did have was a like I worked with troubled youth. Um, and oh my god, yeah, yeah. So to get my hours in because it's fee for service, so meaning if my client doesn't show up, I don't get paid. Um, so I would take on some of the most difficult cases, so I could keep my caseload lower and still get the hours in that I needed. But that also meant that I was getting the shit beaten out of me <laughs> on a regular basis. Yeah, I don't know how you did that. I don't know either. I did that for about three years. I um, remember that. Yeah. And then, like, we moved out of Wilkes-Barre. We got, like, a really nice apartment. I stayed with the same company but transitioned to a marketing job where I made over double of what I was making before. had benefits. Like, we basically had, at that point, everything that we needed. Mm-hmm. Like, we were stable. And I had, I had not been more depressed in my life. And that's when I was kind of like, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I don't understand. Like, I don't have a chaotic job anymore. Like, we're financially better than we have been. Like, everything's moving in the right direction. Our relationship's good. Like, why? I mean, I was so depressed. Like, I, I think it, it started to damage our relationship. Oh. I was that depressed because he didn't know what to do. I wasn't communicating. Like, I completely shut down. And I remember, like, when I finally, when I finally did go see a therapist, I was like, listen here's my experience with mental health, blah, 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 blah. I said, at this point, I'm basically, like, not quite Spock level emotionless, but, like, seven of nine emotionless. And thank God my therapist understood what I meant by that. So I was like, okay, he's probably a keeper. (laughs) But it, it took all of those experiences, and it took me not wanting to ruin a relationship and knowing that something was seriously wrong. Yeah. For me to go get help. I think it's kind of what a lot of it boils down to is when you yourself realize that, oh, wow, I need help. Right. Like, because, you know, even though I joke that you bullied me into going, like, it wasn't, like, I ultimately made the decision to go. Yeah, absolutely. And you realized at that point when you were, like, at the lowest you'd ever been, pretty much, or, like, when you were like, look at all this stuff that I have and I'm still not happy. Like, there's something wrong. Yeah. And, like, you were the, you were the reason why you go get help, which you should be taking care of you. Like, don't worry about fucking anyone else, but. Yeah, I would just say, though, like, I wish, you know, of course, hindsight, like, I wish I wouldn't have let it get to the point that it did. Yeah. You know, and I, and I think that's where having that open communication and that normalcy of addressing mental health, um, hopefully will help people be a little bit more proactive Mm-hmm. than waiting so long until you get to that point where you're like this is affecting my job this is affecting me this is affecting my relationships like hopefully getting to that point where like that doesn't 
get yeah. that far. You just hopefully you nip that in the bud real quick. It, yeah. Before you get, because like I know, I, well, when I finally decided to go, that was, fucking, that was awful. Like it was at a really shit time. Like, um, just in and out of like essentially an, an emotionally abusive relationship for like almost 10 years yeah um and our our friendship was developing at that point yeah and like i was kind of leaning more on you and less on him thank god and um i had found the studio at that point too and which had been like a therapy in and of itself yeah i think that was like huge for you like yeah that's really pivotal that i think helped a lot like that that form of therapy of just finding uh, a community of like-minded individuals mm-hmm. and being able to realize like oh okay um I, I i can like myself i don't have to hate myself right that was almost like conditioned into me in this in this relationship that i had and it was it was just like i i almost can't even describe it because like i I don't, I don't recognize that person as much anymore. Right. Like, I cannot imagine, like, if you had said to me X amount of years ago, like, hey, you're going to be in this place now. Like, you're you're going to be in a relationship with, like, an, an absolutely amazing man. You're going to be, like, teaching pole dance fitness. You're going to be in, like, you just got boobs and all this. Yeah. Kind of, like, <laughs> you're you're going to have all of these things, like, it's... I would have been like, go fuck yourself. Like, I don't know who you're talking about, but it is not Anjanette. Right. Like, she would never do that. She is the lowliest scum to ever scum. Right. Like, she doesn't deserve that. Okay. Like, have you, have you, you've seen, you're talking about the same Anjanette, right? Like, I, it had been habitual, the kind of self-deprecation that I had. And it's still, it's still hard to break today. Like, I will... I deflect everything with humor all the time. That's just that's just how I roll. That's how I go through any kind of situation. I deflect with humor. Um, so, like, one of the things I had talked about in therapy was fucking kind of stop that. Or, like, yeah. transition that into another way of talking about yourself. Because, like, you can't keep doing that. Like, yeah. you are letting yourself believe that about yourself right all these things that you say because you say that you're saying all of these awful things so that before anyone else can say them so that it it won't hurt your feelings as much and it's like well no that's just you're you're saying it so that you believe it right so that you can like live in this awful place and you feel like you deserve this awful treatment that you're getting and that's not that's not right you don't deserve that why why do you think you deserve that like if this were to, if any of these kind of things were happening to anyone, anyone else, anyone else that you say you love, what would you say about that? And I would be outraged. Yeah. I'm like, well, why about why are you being outraged about them getting that same treatment that you're getting? Right. I'm like, well, I, I am a worm. <laughs> <laughs> so like, um, I'm I've gotten significantly better. Thank thankfully yeah like i still have self-esteem issues i think that's something that people like if you start out with self-esteem issues and you go to therapy or you do get better like it's those are really hard to beat yeah but you learn to deal with them in a different way and it's i i'm 
in the best place I've ever been. Yeah, I would. I mean, since I've known you, absolutely. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I would never have, even though I had thought about it for years, getting the surgery that I did. Like I never would have gone through with it. Right. Never, uh, unless I were in this place that I am now, and I actually have a partner that is supportive. Right. Of all the decisions that I've ever done, and he was, he was just like, "This is what you want." go for it like yeah. go do what you want i'm going to support you and that was like it was mind-boggling to me yeah so refreshing that i wanted to cry and i did, i did cry i i've cried several times with him but like i i, I couldn't i was like what <laughs> but um so those were that was some of the stuff that i had worked on in therapy with like dealing with my self-esteem issues, my self-hatred, self-deprecation and all that kind of stuff and just learning to deal with stress. Yeah. Which is something that I struggle with every day. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I, because I kind of, I tend towards like an anal retentive kind of stress-related stuff. Right. Um, for me, I really, I had to realize in therapy helped with this was like, you know, your stress is kind of related to things that you don't have any control over. Mm -hmm. So try to focus on the things that you do have control over. Try to take, you know, these goals that you want to do and put them into more manageable steps and stuff like that. So like I learned to make a lot of lists, um, even if they were like, or like, like to-do lists and even if the tasks that were on those to-do lists were something that were so simple that I could, you know, before I even wrote them down, they were already done. Like that's still a form of accomplishment. You can feel accomplished by checking off that one thing. And it did help. And that's still something that I do today. And Steve, God love him. Like he deals with, like I, I, the lists. (laughs) He deals with the lists. He deals with the stress and he'll be like, you need to like calm down. I'm like, well, I, I just have to get past this. I just have to get and, like, so it's still a work in progress for me to deal with my stress, but like I've gotten significantly better. Like I yeah. would have been in the past, past Anjanette, I would have been so bogged down to the point where like, I was like, why bother? Even, why, why bother yeah. doing anything? I would not have done any, I wouldn't have tried to take on all of the things that I ever did recently had I like had I not had the strength and the courage and the support system that I have I think that's been like the hugest the biggest thing out of everything yeah. was just like having friends and family that support me and right. I not that I didn't have like my family had always su- supported me but I didn't have the communication skills to kind of like tell them about yeah the things yeah. that I needed which I think has helped tremendously not only with my family but in my personal relationships and the romantic relationships is like communication has been the biggest thing. Yeah. And I always kept a lot of things to myself, which does not help anyone. No, and, I, and I think most people who are going in for this kind of help is probably like the first thing that you start with is just communication. Yeah. You know, um, I think for, I think for mine, I mean, I always struggle with anxiety and depression slash mood disorder, but I think for mine, like, was learning how to operate in, again, a stable, healthy environment. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, 
so like I like and I, and I think that's what kind of triggered once I did have that you know my job that I left to do the marketing was like the chaos yeah so that's like I was familiar with that I know how to handle that um and then when I didn't have that I was like I don't know how to do this yeah and I don't and kind of the same thing that you had like I don't think I deserve this you know, and, and a lot of that had to do some with, like, my addiction to my past. Like, I was not a good person and I did a lot of, like, really grimy things. So to try to accept that and that you're not that person anymore and try to put that behind you is really hard to do. So to accept love, to accept appreciation and gratitude and knowing that you can have, like, a normal conversation with your spouse and nothing crazy is going to happen, like... Yeah. was so incredibly uncomfortable yeah like mind-boggling like you just, i when you think about it now like in hindsight you're like that is so silly yeah that like we could not deal with healthy normal functioning relationships right ha Huh. <laughs> it was confusing like it oh it's so it's sad but true yeah and you just want to go like oh, oh honey you know like you you deserve this you yeah. deserve love yes though i think um you kind of hit the nail on the head though with the communication piece of it you know as i'm going through those like i don't know how to tell my spouse because i don't know myself of like why I feel this way and why I don't understand how to like function in a normal relationship and you know I mean even up to a couple years ago um there were certain things I think that were happening like with the Me Too movement and yeah you know the was it Kavanaugh Kavanaugh that fucking justice name that's oh the yeah Brett Kavanaugh yeah Brett Kavanaugh it's brought up like flashback PTSD type moments oh for me like bad and there were certain things like little things like Brock Turner. Ugh, fuck him piece of shit <laughs> but like little things that will would do that literally there was nothing wrong there was nothing wrong with the things that he was saying or things that he was doing but it would trigger me and i didn't know why yeah and you know it started to get to the point where like if i wasn't actively engaged in an activity like driving sitting at a red light whatever i would start to have flashbacks and i was starting to have nightmares again and that was like one portion of my life that I didn't really talk to him about in detail mm -hmm. I didn't talk to therapist about in detail and that was like something that I had to be like either we're going to deal with this like we've dealt with everything else so far and like you're okay or you can continue acting like a lunatic on the side of the highway because you had a flashback <laughs> like <laughs> yeah people driving by are like she sees this person freaking out in their fucking car and yeah like what, what is going on yeah and then what's happening in that Kia what the fuck? Do we stop? <laughs> Do we keep going? <laughs> just, just keep going, honey. Just keep going. <laughs> Put the blinders up. You didn't see anything. <laughs> no, but I, I think um, as of like most recently, for the most part, that's probably been like, not the last hurdle, but like the biggest hurdle yeah. to try to address and go over. And again, looking back at it, and even while I was going through it, that it didn't get worse um because that was like the fear going into it because it could have gone either way yeah when you address things like that and i think my fear was that it was going to get a lot worse um and you know there was definitely a rocky patch but going through it i was like huh 
like I guess I have healed enough and I've worked through shit enough that like this isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be yeah but I think having the like you said the support system and already like the courage from working on other stuff to be able to yeah address it like just luckily for us we have the love and patience of the people around us yeah. to help us like they were they were willing to go through this with us or like help us get through all these situations and um like i said i am the luckiest person ever that i found steve and the fact that he's been so incredibly beyond patient with the situation that i had <laughs> which was like <laughs> um it was it was i got to a point from the previous relationship that it was very easy for me to like i could fuck anything that moved right i didn't give two shits about them so I, who what's your name i don't care well, right. like I'll, I'll just i'll just do it you know right as, uh, as a good friend of mine would say like to just took a dick dick shaped band-aid and put it over the <laughs> put it over the wound <laughs> thank you for that megan um and that was easy and then once emotion came into it it was like hi did what i that's not we don't compute we don't compute with that yeah and (laughs) that broke me that's i it still to this day to think about i'm like ha okay yeah yeah once emotion was into it like it's entered into it that's why i was like i couldn't i can't understand that yeah, so Health, I think like a healthy relationship, a healthy relationship to sex, that doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. So I think mine was um, if we didn't have sex, something was wrong. Yeah, like that. That's where the definition of a healthy relationship was for me, and that there was this expectation, you know, that that's what I was there for. Mm-hmm yeah that's that is a hard like that's a hard thing to kind of like get rid of yeah that you are just you are essentially a receptacle right um you're there for their pleasure um other people's pleasure um and you're just even though there was a preface at some point like you have the final say right you there was pressure from everywhere yeah yeah i was i mean and if you didn't say yes then there was the guilt of like why didn't well Well, what's wrong what's going on well why well you wanted to before well why not this time yeah and now now the blame is on you because you know well like you like you had said like last time it was okay or you know when i did this it was okay or well it was just it turned into just a, at the end of the day, it was like a very, very unhealthy relationship to sex and yeah. all the things related to it. Yeah, I was just, yeah, I was convinced that if, you know, my advances were turned down or like things just weren't happening on like a regular basis that I thought they should have been, that there was something wrong or he was seeing somebody else or I'm just not attractive, you know, I think coming out of the last relationship that I was in going into this one it was you know constant constant put downs yeah about my appearance like constantly to where kind of you said like I felt like a worm 
Like I felt like I was not attractive. I felt like I didn't deserve any type of compliments. And if I did get a compliment, I was like, all right, well, where's the other shoes going to drop? Like, where's the backhanded oh, yeah. compliments type of thing? And, yep. you know, even like towards the end of like the last relationship I was in, it was, you know, even if I said no, it was going to happen. Yeah. So like, it just... That actually happened a couple times through, like, online dating. <laughs> right. Actually, like, going back to what you had said about waiting for the other to sh- other shoe to drop, that was, um, I-, I think, for a while, uh, especially in the beginning of our relationship. And, uh, like, me f- constantly feeling like I was waiting for the other shoe to drop, constantly feeling like I was walking on eggshells with Stephen. He had never, ever once given me any reason to think that, that was the case. Right. It was the case in the previous relationship and I was taking those feelings and adding it to my current relationship and that was not fair to him and that was something that we had to talk about. And um but he was just like when have I ever made you feel like there was another shoe that was going to drop? Like do I make you feel like I'm going to stop loving you? Something like yeah. things like that and it was like he had everything that he had said, he had a point. I was like, no, like it was, it came down to trust, like trusting that he wasn't going to leave me, trusting that he actually did love me, um, trusting that all of the things that we had said to each other were true, real. And it was just learning to be patient with one another about uh, like the things that we had tried, we had to get over from our previous, previous relationships. Yeah. So, um, luckily that was a feeling that went away and like, that definitely takes time and communication. Yeah. But communication, (laughs) but communication was the key. So, um, we're going to, at this point, I think we should try to wrap up how all the different things that we used, all the different tools at our disposal for how we have dealt with all of our trauma and everything that we've gone through um but i think number one i think across the board is communication yeah and not just with like those around you and your relationships and and your friends and family and stuff like that but honestly with yourself it it has to start with yourself yes it has to start with being on like truly transparent honest uh with how you're feeling and with yourself and a lot of people are like but it's my own thoughts. Like, how could you not be? And I'm like, you can. Yeah. You can yeah. absolutely lie to yourself or minimize things. And you have to really ask yourself, like, am I ready to stop doing that? Yes. And, you know, sometimes we're not. But having those thoughts that kind of start to push you in that right direction is important. Yes. Um. Yeah, I you lost it but um i to piggyback off of that like what jess was saying is like you you do have to be honest with yourself about um what you want um and how you want to go about getting that and um learning how to kind of realize your own little the traps that you kind of set up for yourself Mm mm-hmm and uh, things along those lines. It's just like you have to you have to talk everything out almost in like a painful way. And in the beginning, it will seem painful, but as you get used to it, like it 
it becomes so much easier. So once you start talking everything out, not only with yourself, but with everyone around you, it becomes, oh, it's a, it is the best thing. Yeah. And it, it really does clear a lot of things up because no one is a mind reader. No one, you don't have to try to guess at anything because you're just laying everything out. Yeah. For not only for yourself, but for your friends and loved ones and everything like that. And especially like personal relationships, it helps immensely. Professional relationships, it helps immensely. Because if you are completely and 100% upfront and honest about it, like that, they can't misconstrue anything like that. Right. But especially if you are trying to, um, like if you're doing online dating or all that kind of shit if you're up front from the get-go there's no there's not gonna be any mistakes you'd be like no i told you from the get-go this is what i wanted i wanted x y and z and then if they misunderstand that it's unfortunately it's on them yeah because you laid everything out well i think i think that's the importance to kind of piggyback off that though is that being able to work through being able to work through that as far as you know, I was upfront, like I finally had the courage and I went through like my own personal stuff to know, to actually know what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, and then telling somebody, but then, you know, if that somehow is misconstrued on the other party and, you know, they didn't really listen or they didn't fully understand and something happens down the line that that's not your fault. Yeah. And I think that's kind of that next step in the process that we have a hard time with is, you know, you can't make everyone happy. Yeah. So there are yes. going to be certain conversations Absolutely. that are going to upset people. And um, that's, that's just a part of life. That's just a part of relationships. And, mm-hmm. you know, you could absolutely soften the blow as much as you can. And, you know, and approach certain difficult conversations in such a way that's compassionate. Yes. But it doesn't necessarily mean that that other person isn't going to be upset or angry or hurt. But, you know you're not a bad person because they're upset. Like, they need to own up to their own responses yeah. and handle their own emotions that you are not responsible for that. Yeah, it creating a dialogue, I think, is the best thing that you can do. Yeah. And that's how you, like, it starts with communication. And if you can have a mature dialogue between two or more people or whatever, um, that's that's what's needed to grow. And like Jess was saying, like, if... If you are both communicating and you're both trying to like figure out the other person's feelings, like it's it's not anyone's fault if something like like if you're both communicating as much as you can, then like it's not anyone's fault if something becomes uh, something kind of goes south. Yeah, and some certain things are brought up that you know you could get hurt as well. And again, like you know if you're doing this in a healthy way and you guys are trying to grow as a couple or you're trying to just grow on your own. these things are going to come up it's not going to be always smooth sailing and that's okay yeah and i think that's like what turns people off to therapy sometimes is that you know what was going good and then all of a sudden like they insisted that i talk about xyz and it just put me back in a really dark place i'm like well sometimes it's needed yeah sometimes it's needed to kind of bring that up and then move past it otherwise it's going to constantly be there like lurking underneath the surface like some sea urchin about to pull you back down yeah like you have to you have to go through the shit in order to realize what's good yeah like the there's that saying like there you need to have the dark times in order to see the light yeah like you you kind of you need that 
in order to realize, like, if we didn't go through the shit that we went through, well, I don't think we'd be able to appreciate what we have now. As shitty as that is. Yeah. But to be honest, like, I guess I'm glad I went through it. Yeah. Well, not glad. I, w- I would say, like, I think I'm glad. With... I think I'm glad with where I'm at now and that, like you said, I was able to finally come to a point to work through it and yeah, to kind of take away, like, there was definitely a certain coping skills that I needed to put in place to survive. Yes. Um, and I think we've all done that. And I think it's learning that we don't need those anymore. But mm-hmm. there's other, there's still certain things that you can take away from those experiences that are still helpful. Yes. You can develop better coping skills. Yeah. And coping mechanisms instead of maybe the uh, the harmful, detrimental ones that you'd had, you'd, you'd done to survive right. along the way. I think it's also learning like... um you know, being able to, like, kind of wade through all that and see what you can keep with you and see what you need to leave behind. But I think it also helps me learn, like, red flag behaviors. And it's yeah. helped me and my job tremendously to be able to empathize with those and to help them kind of seek their own path to, to healing and, and to help. Um, but, you know, I would say to, like, anybody who is looking for help, and I think, you know, for both of us, it was not just being honest but like being patient with yourself of finding the right type of help and what works for you and then like you said looking for those healthy outlets yes you know and whether that be going back to something that you used to like to enjoy you know but maybe depression or something got in the way that you just stopped engaging in it you know I always I always encourage people like what did you try to remember and it's hard but what did you like to do before xyz happened yeah and sometimes it's just that self-exploration of trying to kind of poke the bear a little bit to see like what sparks in you and yeah it just kind of you know in the beginning you almost might have to force yourself a couple times to maybe pick up that book again or start writing again music hiking like whatever it was that you used to like to do it's so important to go back to it yes and I have some people that you know get discouraged because they don't have that same enjoyment right out of the gate yeah but that takes time oh god yeah like when you first got into it it didn't necessarily might not have necessarily clicked right away either. Right. Like you could, if it was like a slow, gradual thing. And for some things you probably glommed on pretty quickly. But when you're trying to fight your way out of like the darkness, you know, things are going to take a little bit longer. Yeah. And that's fine. That is perfectly fine for you to take your time learning to love again. Yeah. Whether it's a person, whether it's an activity or whatever, um, yourself, it is okay to take the time because it's worth it. And yeah, again, absolutely. You, you are absolutely 100% worth it. Um, invest in yourself as well as um, cultivating those really strong um, support systems around you. Like yeah. it is, it's way more important than I could have ever imagined. Um, I want to reiterate that like to any of our friends, loved ones, family out there, like, it is you you are not a burden if you no. want to come to us for anything um honestly feel free don't you just i know you're probably gonna say like no I'm not, i don't want to bother them blah blah blah, because that, that's what i said but honestly it is it is so awesome having friends and family that care yeah you know and i would say for those of us out there who maybe are in 
a situation where they're trying to get out of a toxic relationship or get away from toxic family members and they might actually not have those healthy outlets or feel like they do, you know, like that's when I would maybe encourage people to start somewhere small like online support groups or looking up like not necessarily like AA groups but something similar to it as far as other trauma supports, things of yeah. that nature. And that can be your support too to start. Yeah. And that can cultivate other relationships. It doesn't always have to come from, you know, immediate family. And we're not always going to have, like, those really close friends. But it doesn't mean that those supports aren't, can be found and that aren't still out there. Yes. Yeah. You know? Like, those those support groups really do help a lot. Yeah. Like, um, e- even for for me, like, the, the poll groups that I'm a part of, like, they're tremendously supportive. Yeah. And these are all freaking strangers that don't know each other but like they some people will like pour their heart out in a post and they get so much love and support right and like literally not one shred of like what the fuck are you doing you know what i mean like Like, yeah, yeah like it's it it might feel really strange and foreign to kind of open up to strangers but in a way sometimes it's easier yeah because you don't have that biased opinion you don't have anybody who's like can sit there and like, well, what about the time you did this? Or what about that? Or, yeah. you know, make you kind of second guess the way that you're feeling isn't legitimate, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but yeah, so I mean, like I said, we're not, not all of us are going to have the access at first, but I don't want anyone thinking that it's not possible to grow that kind of support and to get that kind of access, you know? Yeah. And if it has to start online or if it has to start of just like, you know, community meetings, then that's where it needs to start. Yeah. No. It, it honestly the first step is you and like you admitting that you need help yeah as as cliche as that sounds like you just if you think okay i would like more support then just take that first step because right. you won't get to you won't get anywhere without that first step and we are here to encourage you if you feel like you need it to take that first step into whatever it may be because it, it's definitely worth it. It's worth it. And just know that, you know, you guys absolutely are not alone. And that however you're feeling, don't ever compare your situation to somebody else's. Oh, God, it's never helpful. No. Even, um, even in a healthy standpoint, it's not helpful because then it could turn into, like, a weird competition. Right. But, like, especially when you are, like, down, like, you, you're on, like, a downslope of in your depression or anxiety or whatever, comparisons do nothing. Like, they do nothing but detrimental yeah stuff to you like it's just it's not good yeah we all handle and cope with things differently Mm -hmm. um so however you're feeling about whatever situation don't minimize it don't Mm think it's not legitimate because somebody else has it so much worse yeah like your problems matter yeah um so just (sighs) care about yourself god damn it (laughs) but um what what else what do we want to bring up? Um, I, you know, I think for this particular episode, you know, I think that kind of wraps most of it up. Yes. Um, you know, I would say moving forward, one other episodes that we'll be doing, um, whether that be specifically addressing specific type of traumas or a little bit more specific therapy types, um, maybe the stigma about about medication or you know, about really intensive help of, you know, if you feel like you do need to go to an inpatient or a hospital. Yeah. You know, 
those sort of conversations that are really hard to, to have and I don't think that are had enough. That's yeah. proper English. That doesn't sound right. Um, <laughs> yeah, they don't have those conversations enough. Yeah, yeah it's, okay. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's not that we were coming out. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but no, it was, you got to the point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, to I guess to reiterate, for this whole episode, this was like us discussing like our personal journey with getting the help that we needed and kind of where we are on the other side of it. Yeah. Which is much, much better than where we were when we started. Absolutely. I think. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, like, I have never been, like, I still have down days. Um, especially, like, we were, we were just talking earlier about uh, after surgery. <laughs> uh, like, feeling like an invalid and having to depend so much. And, like, we kind of go back into that whole, like, I don't want to be a burden. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. And it's just, like, like... I don't want to be a burden. I don't want to have to depend on anyone. I think I'm, I'm so stubborn where I'm, like... Well, me God too. damn it. Like, don't fucking... I can, I can do it with one arm. Yeah. It's but fine. It's... So, the lesson learned from this is just... Ju- just, just accept, accept the help. The help. Because you fuck, you'll get hurt in in my case i was like so the doctor had recommended like when i was like okay well what can i do post-surgery he's like well you can walk as much as you want (laughs) and i was like i i could do way more than that um turns out i can't um i when you have a chest operation um where they cut into your chest muscles you can't do anything walking is really all that you can do safely without exacerbating anything um so at what i really should have taken his medical <laughs> professional opinion mine was just don't move your arm and we're gonna put you in a contraption so you cannot move it so i think mine moving forward is going to be someone most likely chasing me down and make sure i don't get myself out of this contraption sooner than i have to be <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I'm keeping a close eye on her. Yeah, cause it. She's a flight risk. It really, I really am. Like, it's so uncomfortable. Yeah. But um, long, long story short is accept the help. Um, stop being so stubborn, and just take it easy. Yes. On yourself. Yes. Um, because you are your own worst critic in every sense of the word uh so just reach out take a hand you thank you got a friend in me okay after seeing that meme i can oh. <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> it was a disney plus meme where it's like you know five minutes into disney plus and you've got a friend in you and it's a close-up of the scene where in Toy Story, the first one, where Buzz is flying Woody and Woody's got this weird little look on it. So it looks like Buzz is pegging Woody. Yeah, it does. And <laughs> it's really bad. Yeah. So um, let, let's take a, a chapter from Dear Evan Hansen and just, just reach out, reach out your hand and hold. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, we're going to go now. Let's wrap that yeah. up. <laughs> hey. 
So um, I hope this was helpful to you guys. Um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or whatever, let us know. Um, we The reason we do this, this whole episode in general was that hopefully, um, even if it helped just one person kind of maybe realize that they needed to go get therapy or realize that they... Uh, are not alone. Yeah, they're not alone in the way that they feel. That's why we do it. So that's why we're sharing our experiences and how we've dealt with it and all that kind of stuff. So um, reach out to us on Twitter, for God's sake, uh, because literally no one follows us. Uh, Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, and most of you know us personally. So reach out and touch our butts. And with that, stay curious, and we love you. And bye-bye. Bye.